Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leone, will have smart discussion with experts, thought leaders and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really, really a big pleasure. In collaboration with the European Customer Experience Organization, the CX Goalkeeper is performing an additional interview. And today I am really, really happy to have Mario Sepp from Austria together with me. Hi, Mario. How are you? I'm fine. Hi, Gregorio. <laughs> I hope you too. And hello to the audience. If I can have half an hour of a great discussion about customer experience, and in this case, about experience design and experience delivery, I am really happy. It's not only fine, but I'm really feeling well. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Mario. As usual, I kick off the discussion always in the same way. Instead of reading all what you did in the, in the last 20 years, I ask you, Mario, could you please introduce yourself? In a nutshell, I hope. <laughs> yeah, so I'm born and raised in Austria. I'm, I'm 51. So uh, I started after the regular school with electronics engineering and then um, went into the aviation business in, as an avionics, as an aircraft electronic. And I spent 20 years there, but I moved quickly from, um, let me say, dealing with technology only to dealing with people because I realized it's much more fun to deal with people than uh, uh, doing with computers and stuff, even if you're working on aircraft. So um, I went for a couple of, of airlines uh, where we did technical work. I opened up um, Air Alps as a, a CEO of the maintenance department. And uh, it ended up then in a way with a stop in Zurich. I know where you're located uh, at ESA Technics, which then has been where I was um, doing um, the worldwide sales and after sales department. And then uh, we have been bought during the financial crisis by a company or investment fund of, of Abu Dhabi, Ubadala. So I went to Abu Dhabi and did uh, the whole strategy, product and business development um, for the aviation side. So I've seen the world in a way. And um, on a certain point, uh, I, I did some studies beside, I did an executive MBA, I did a lot of other stuff. I, I stranded in, in Harvard at the Harvard Business School. and. Um, I've been there with Professor Ranji Gulati and we did a lot of customer centricity. And this was sort of time, so let me say that the time where we started my work in, in Zurich and Abu Dhabi with, with various airlines and then came more and more into the thing of, of service design and, and experience design. And then um, on a certain point, I decided to uh, start up my own company because I thought this was the biggest challenge. Uh, if you're working for large organizations with a lot of people, you know, the, the larger an organization is, the, the less customers you need because you're dealing with yourself <laughs> in a way. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to change that. And so I started my own business. And um, I think the, the, the initial thing was, uh, it's now 15 years ago um, when I met um, the CEO of EasyJet the first time and uh, Andy Harrison at that time. And, um, you know, normally if you're, if you're from the, from coming from the sales side as a vendor, as an MRO, so maintenance repo and overhaul organization, the only thing that you're doing if you have a long contract with customers is that you are going to escalate prices. You know, everything, you know, expendables are going up, you know, raw materials are going up. So you sit down with your clients and, and you're talking about a price escalation in a contract. And uh, in the first year when I met uh, the CEO of EasyJet, he said, well, Mario, it's fine, you know, but uh, working with us should be cheaper every year and not more expensive. And it, it just was a completely different point of view. And it, I think it, for me, was really the, the turning point of, 
trying to understand how customers are seeing what you're doing. And they are right in a way, because think about the, the example, maybe uh, on a cruise ship, you know, if, if you're on a week on a cruise ship and I'm working in a restaurant, I know what kind of wine you like. I know if it's still or sparkling water, so I can sell you more. So the interaction will be with you easier and in a way it's cheaper. So you have this star learning curve and then you can go down. And then we changed in year two, uh, where we had a battle with Lufthansa Technik in, in losing EasyJet that we said, well, we have to do something um, proactive for EasyJet. We have to understand their message that working with them should be cheaper beside material issues. And uh, we came up with an idea that uh, helped them and helped us. So we, we kept the contract. But I think that this was, a, for me, really the turning point, thinking more from the point of the customer. It's easy said, you know, they're always thinking about you know, human beings. They're always in the center. The customer is always in the center. Sometimes I think if he's in the center, then he's in our way. But um, the issue is really, um, this was one of the turning points and my starting into all that uh, service and experience design and customer centricity and customer experience. Hey, thank you, Mario, for the introduction. This is great, but you didn't mention the name of your company. And I think oh, it's the 10th year of, of the business. And that's, that's why true. it's a great achievement. 10 years of having an own company. Could you please share also the name of your company? Sure, it's it's gastspiel.at. So uh, gastspiel is uh, it's a German word. Um, it's it's like uh, how would you say? It's it's like uh, having a stand. You would say in in, in the states. So staging something, and this is because you know uh, all the companies changed in a way. You know, uh, former days they had their flagship stores where they presented more than just products, and if you look now to the various industries, you see so many showrooms, so many flagship stores all over, you know, where the companies even out of, you know, boring industries are presenting their stuff in a, in a way where they're staging experiences. And so staging experiences with the right services on stage and behind the scenes, this is a little bit where the, the name of the company is coming from. And I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy with my team that we, we did uh, year 10 now. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's great achievement. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that also with me and during this podcast. Yeah. Before we deep dive, because you already start speaking about designing experiences uh, and then uh, implementing experiences to keep larger contracts, uh, we are here also thank you to, thanks to the European Customer Experience Organization. You are one of the ambassador and founding member of the European Customer Experience Organization. I would say ambassador for Austria. Uh, why do you think it makes sense to have an organization focused on, the, on Europe? I guess it's, uh, I had the discussion with, with Ricardo, you know, our founding member in, in front of said, what's the difference? What is a European way of doing things? And I, I gave an interview just a, a couple of weeks ago. There is a difference, let me say, how people from Europe or Central Europe are dealing with experience, with service, for instance, because at the end, you know, every doing or interaction should create a positive experience, which is different to, let me say, from the mindset that I'm, people in the US have. I spent a lot of time in the States and I re really remember my first time, you know, I was in, uh, in Cedar Rapids, which is uh, at um, not the center of the universe, so to say, but um, there is uh, Rockwell Collins there, which is one of the largest suppliers of um, aircraft electronics. And I spent a, a couple of weeks uh, for training and it was my first visit to a restaurant. And uh, it was not a, a, a something, you know, high class. It was just a regular diner in a way. And I started with a salad and, uh, and you start with a salad. And after three, three minutes, you know, the guy passed by and said, how are you doing with your salad? I said, 
I thought, why do you sell? I'm eating it. And what should I say? And you know, that went on, you know, for, for every course, you know, they just a burger. Then how are you doing with a burger? And I, I realized, you know, it's, it's so important for them. A, it's part of their salary because, you know, they're living from the tips and not from the regular salary. But it's in a way a completely different approach to service at all. And you see it in Europe, if you go, you know, I think in Europe, you have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, so it's it's a little bit more, I say, it's it's a little bit less show, more reality, which is not always good in a way, because you get bad experience, you know, you, you have servers or you have people in stores ignoring you, but at least that's true, you know, that, that's really, that's the way it is. And um, I think um, the, the, the kind of expectation of having um, long-term good services and a good customer experience is much higher in Europe than it's in the state, you know, you know I think things changed also there. So uh, with some of the companies, especially the internet companies, it changed. But they were more looking on, on, on wow effects in a way and impressing you with overwhelming but very aggregated friendliness where um, maybe in Central Europe, it might take some time, but um, then it will be really a more deeper understanding and let me see, and I'm a kind of service on a different level. So I think um, you have to raise more the understanding for how your behavior will affect people, employees, and customers, and partners. And you don't have to do that so much in the States. You know, they're much more open to crazy and funny things. You know, if you look through some of the, um, uh, like, Red Lobsters, a lot of these, these chain food chains, you know, they're, they're doing things where you wouldn't find any employee in Europe doing that, you know, like shows and stuff like that. So that's why I think it's, it's um, a little bit of harder work in Europe to convince people of thinking about... Uh, Customer experience and customer experience. It's not a software. It's not a tool. You know, from a call center or something, a mesh and NPS, whatever it is. It's something that you really live. You know, that's something that you can feel as a customer. It's something you can feel as a partner, B two C, B two B, regardless. You know, it's always people to people in a way. So that's why I think it's 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 important to maybe uh, look the the customer experiencing. You know, all that stuff a little bit different if if you, if you focus on Europe. But no, I, at all, at the end, you know, we would like to make our employees and customers happy in a way, and, and we would like to keep them returning <laughs> to any company. But that's not different. But maybe it's it's a little bit more difficult in, in Europe than than in the States. I understand that, and it's about making employees and customer happy in order to achieve business results. Absolutely. Because we are in business to achieve our targets, financial targets, because it's uh, not all the businesses are charities and therefore it totally <laughs> makes make sense. Nobody is. I've never seen one. <laughs> uh, Even if on, they say they are, they are not. <laughs> that's, that's the topic for another podcast. Uh, I think the, the title ambassador of the European Customer Experience Organization, it, it's quite fancy. Let's, let, let, let's really Sounds say that. Sounds old fashioned. No, it's not old-fashioned. It sounds it sounds it sounds really good, but it's also linked to some responsibilities, some sure. some duties. What is your role in the European Customer Experience Organization? But the issue is, uh, um, as you said, you know, if we're talking about Europe, you're talking about different things. You know, I, I don't have to explain to you. You know, Switzerland is completely divided in a way, you know, so you know what I'm talking about. So I think it's the, the, the idea of ambassadors is that you you not only speak the language, let me say, in your region, which is Austria, you, you can compare it really as a small region in, in Europe. But um, the, the kind of approach, how you approach uh, leaders of various companies, how you approach the networks they are in, it's different in, in every country. You know, I spend really a lot of time in it, more or less every European country with two or three countries maybe missing. 
and it's different everywhere. So I think it's good that you speak the the language there, that you also understand how business is done there, and you know what it needs to to convince maybe some some of the uh, the companies or even uh, even a nonprofit company or an NGO um, to to think about customer experience in the in a different way. And that's why maybe later on we come to that. You know, from talking about CX to doing CX, which is a big difference. And I think that's that's good because if you have people from from the area, so to say, it's maybe it might be a, a little bit easier to approach um, the organizations and companies where you are and, and talk to them about and convince them they should be think about something uh, in regard to customer experience on a deeper way than uh, buying some technology and uh, having some computer programs or NPS cores or whatever installed, which is normally the the, the first thing they're doing. <laughs> Uh, it, it totally makes sense and thank you very much uh, okay. Mario for this explanation on the European customer experience organization um, I think that that was really the great first part we are already warm to start discussing sure. about designing experiences and implementing experiences I think you mentioned something like it's uh, from talking about customer experience to sure. delivering customer experience uh, as a former consultant i would phrase the, the 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 question in another way how can we or how is it possible to transform all the slides that we are creating in real experiences of of for customers i know it's really a broad uh, question but let's start really uh, sure. if you have some insight some explanation how is it possible would be really great. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, normally uh, as a consultant, you would say it depends. <laughs> That's a typical answer of a, of a consultant. No, but uh, uh, in all fairness, it's, I think if, if, if any organization, I should say, or any company is thinking about increasing uh, their, the customer experience, you know, uh, then I would say step A would be thinking about what is the current service situation, the current customer experience situation. And I'm not talking about, let me say, uh, quantitative measurements now where you say, well, we know where we are in regard of kind of NPS. We know where we are in regard of feedback that we are getting, Google reviews or whatever it is. So really taking time um, to, to have a look from the outside into your organization. And uh, starting, let me say, along the whole customer journey, so the really end-to-end -end journey from I'm getting aware of that organization of that company and I'm using their services and products and I have a problem I would like to go back and stuff like that. So um, A, this is A, what we're doing, but B is that that's really uh, something I would, uh, would propose to everybody saying is have a kind of reality check. What is going on in your organization? What are your employees doing? What are your customers doing? You know, not every customer is king. You know, that's from Gordon Selfridge, you know, the guy who started uh, the warehouse business in the UK. But at least every customer has the right to uh, be um, wrong in dignity, so to say. <laughs> but um, I think what is going on there? So how do your processes look like? You know, what are you really doing on the shop floor? How is there interaction with your partners? You know, how what are your partners, let me say, doing on the last mile? Not we're talking not talking about delivery. If you think about, let me say, uh, electronics retailer, talking about installation of electronic equipment at your home. You know. What is going on if I have a problem? What is going on, you know, if I'm getting an invoice and have a question to that? So have a look, you know, into your saying, what is the status quo? Who are really your employees? What are they doing? Are you keeping all your promises? And uh, if you have mapped that out and you're still uh, thinking that you would like to increase your customer experience, which, are, which it normally will, because especially as soon as they see, you know, what is going on. And uh, we have done couples of them. Um, and you have a reason to, to improve. But it's, it's really being so open to, to, to getting a kind of mirror, what is the experience of your employees and your customers today? 
Why do you need that? A, to prioritize all the, the, the things you would like to do, but especially this will be the starting point where you are going to rise your employee and customer experience. And this is so necessary because if you start, let me say with, let's improve these five things because every customer needs that or every employee needs that, then you are starting from a different level. And I think you have to be absolutely sure from where you're starting off, you know, what are your employees are capable to do? Because this will be then the, the, the make or break factor in, in afterwards, as you say, as soon as you would like to implement some measurements and doing, but if they are not, let me say, on the level, they will never can stage or perform or change or do anything of these things authentic, you know, that, that people say, well, hey, well, something changed here. So you have to have this kind of reality check up front. I think this is, this is really number one. Because what we have seen with a lot of clients is that they're starting with a lot of quantitative insights, you know, doing research, they're doing studies, you know, they're sending out students, asking uh, customers, are you happy with that? They're doing exit polls and stuff like that. But nobody is really looking into the, the, the big T because it's, it's a lot of work and it's sometimes it's not um, giving you a good feeling if you see the results, you know, but uh, it helps tremendously to, to know where you are starting from and where, where are the priorities, let me say, along your value chain, along your customer and employee journey and your partner journey, where you set these first three or four points uh, in an organization to, to, which will bring the real change. You, you cannot change everything uh, in, in one turn because no company has that uh, possibility, not only financial-wise, but maybe financial-wise, but time-wise and you know, projects are going up and up. So you have to start somewhere. So point A is that you, you really have to, to, to measure where you are today. The next thing I think is that you, um, you have to understand that uh, as soon as you would like to say, uh, that's what I'm saying from, from talking to doing, at the end, you know, you're employees are doing it, your, your, your daily, the frontline stuff, your, your, your sales staff is doing it. And if you're talking about stuff, you know, if you look to a regular company, we're not talking about always full-time employees. So you have part-time employees, you have students, you know, just for summertime. So, but they are all employees. They are all working for your brand. So for me as a customer, you know, I'm, I don't care, you know, if he's a full-time equivalent or you just see them on Saturdays and Sundays in a store, for instance, they're all the same. But companies are looking different than that because they are investing in their full-time equivalents and not so much, let me say, in their part-time workers. So uh, a lot of these measurements, which you're going to do then to increase customer experience, for instance, have to be staged and, and lift up, you know, and, and really brought to life by all of them. And, and it's not only frontline stuff, it's backline stuff. Don't forget about your partners. You know, uh, so many companies are using third-party workers um, for installation, for delivery, you know, for, for a lot of things. Uh, for putting things together at the end, it's still your brand, but somebody else is doing it. Regardless if it's a kitchen, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's furniture, it's it's electronics, whatever it is. So you're using a lot of third-party workers. You have to integrate them in the in in your plan, in your initiative about optimizing um, customer experience. And I think this is the, that's the basis. And um, we have a lot of discussions in uh, at that step because the project is getting big immediately. But that's the way it is, you know. <laughs> If you really would like to increase uh, full-fledged your customer experience, then you have to think about all the touch points you have. You have to think about an end-to-end -end journey, and you have to think about all the, the, the stakeholders, so to say, beside, let me say, the, the, the customers, which are really bringing the money, but your employees and your partners and your part-time employees and your part-time partners and apprentices and all this stuff. And you have to integrate them, let me say, in the optimization of uh, your servicing. So that's step one. <laughs> 
thank you. And <laughs> but step one is it's really a big one. And I, I would have already now two on that question. I try to ahead. summarize them in two or three. The first question I would like to ask is also based on your experience, if you put in front of these companies and in particular of top management this mirror and you show what it's not really working properly, how are they reacting? Are they understanding that there is an issue or are they always skipping with you? Oh, yes, this is something customer experience. Let's do something different. Uh, I understand where you're coming from. Well, the issue is um, it has to be well, let me say the challenge, and that's why it's 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 not so easy, and, and that's why maybe um, we are doing it in a special way. Um, you have to do it on your own. So if if we do reality checks um, at Gaspiel, um, there's always one guy, one, one also girls here, um, doing um, the reality check or is leading in the reality check, and it's also then doing let me say the presentation of, of the C level, because you really have to do it on yourself. Um, so you have to really dig deep into it. Uh, you have to try to understand. You have to work your way along, let me say, especially a, a customer journey way so that they can really understand where you're coming from, where does it start for the customer, where does it end, so to say, for the customer, who is involved in every step. So you have to really break that up so that you have a kind of line where you say, okay, the checkers are going al along the customer journey. Um, you have to come up with um, repetitive things. So don't put out anything super exciting, say this is a one-time thing. So it must be something which is happening, let me say, in more than one store, for instance, so to say. So you really have to come up with truth. You you have to really work open with the employer. So a rally check is not mystery shopping. Um, employees know who you are and what you're doing. And they appreciate it very much because they say, well, now it's the day that somebody's coming in and is showing our management what we have to do with, with our customers day to day. Because normally, regardless of what company, you know, your boss is coming in and saying is Get that, clean that up, clean that tidy, you know, pricing must be up. How do you look like, you know, nobody is, is, is really having the time, let me say, or even the energy of, or the empathy, maybe, to, to really understand what is going on between the individuals. Um, so if you tell uh, management, you, you have to tell them, take one day off. So we're normally doing uh, these, these uh, result workshops, so, so one day. Because it's intensive, you you spend last check I spent more than four hundred hours in various stores, you know, working on various from from service from from uh, at a cashier, you know, giving out uh, all the stuff and the stuff. You have to really to understand, so you have to work along. What we are doing are workalongs. It's not like observation with, with somebody standing in the back, you know, trying to to understand what we're doing. So you have to do it. You have to talk to customers embedded, let me say, in the interaction. So it, it doesn't help so much that you ask customers, what do you think about? Is it a good service, is it a bad service? So if you have done it 50, 100 times, and during the doing, you're talking to them, you understand you know, what the issues are. And this, that, that's nothing new. You know, Think about the, the hospitality industry, let me say, at least 30 years ago, where um, the owners of the hotel still talked to the guests in a way. Today, it's seldom. You know, if, you see young girls or boys, you know, at the reception or and, and front stuff desk. They say, "Yeah, yeah, we'll give it, we pass it on." But the owners are seldomly, besides some of the family hotels, are talking to their guests. So you have to understand. Sleep in one of your own rooms, you know. Then you realize, you know, what is the guest experience uh, if you're coming to the hotel? Which hotel owner ever slept in one of his own rooms? You know, it's, that's a strange thing. So you you really have to show them what is going on. The next thing is no finger pointing. You know, it doesn't help. You know, that's the situation. It is that's the service reality. So. 
they are still making money. So something must be good. At least the products are good or the price is right. I don't know. But don't blame them and, and don't try to interpret what is good or bad. Because as soon as you show them and we're using every medium, you know, we're talking, we're showing some slides, we're showing videos, we're showing audio, we give audio. So in any format. And it will happen automatically that they are going to charge the service on their own side. The next thing is what we realize is that as soon as you show something and as you talk about something, they're trying to explain the why. And I think, forget about the why, you know, it's happening now since years, you know, don't explain me why it is happening. So just sit back, have the glasses of the customer of the employee and just enjoy, so to say, but that's the way it is. And just get a feeling what is going on. And, you know, we are not doing turnaround management, so they are not, let me say, on a, so they're still making money in a way. Yeah? But um, they have to realize what is going on. You know, very often they say, we knew already that something is not that positive, but uh, we were not been aware <laughs> how large it is in the meantime. And, and the next thing is, it's, it's not only the organization. So the, the, the customers changed completely. You know, if you... And that's not only in retail. We're doing also a lot of things in the health area. So I think so 15 years ago, if you're, if you're visiting a doctor and he said it's A or B, you said, okay, thank you, it's A or B. Today, you know, since at least since Google, you know, everybody's Dr. Google. So if he's saying, well, you should do this kind of treatment, he's saying, nah, but I read about it, it's not that good. Shouldn't we do something else? Then who's the doctor in a way, you know? And they are arguing about money, about prices, even, you know, let me say not at only at the dentist, you know, but at every doctor. And the same thing is if you go to retail, for instance, you know, a lot of people know a lot of things, you know, it's, it's just a little bit. But uh, if you think about a store for MediaMarkt, for instance, they have more than 50,000 products in the store. And if you go to the, the, the electronics department where you find laptops and stuff like that, every laptop, you know, is overdue since uh, after three or four weeks because there's a new model. So how could they know every detail? You know, it's impossible. So I think that the good thing is that you have to be more like the, and this is where they are going, like to a navigator for the customers to try to understand what, what they really need. You know, it's not just, I need a product, they are needing the, the, the trying to, to look for a solution for their for their challenge in a way that might be a laptop that might be something completely different in a way so more taking more time to understand what the needs are so um the issue is i think if you if you show um what is going on any service reality regardless of the industry number one is um they have to realize management have to realize that will take time so they have to take one 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 day off it's not a management summary on two slides you know what are the biggest issues we're not doing that that doesn't make any sense at all you have to really feel and see and have a feeling what is really going on because they have so many reports you know what is good what is bad you know big customers are writing them a letter everything is bad or everything is good you know they're always seeing just the the, the peaks you know to the positive to the negative on the sea level side so um, they have to take time. They, they have to really take the, the deep dive with you. They have to be open for that. No finger pointing. Let them, let me say, judge their, what they are seeing afterwards and, and bring them to the point where kind of summary saying, well, let's have a look. You, you've seen that all, but you've seen there are some stages or some touch points, let me say, on the journey that we should maybe put our focus on and leave the other stuff beside. Because typically in any company or in any organization, you're getting... 50 tasks every year, but no task will be ever removed. So <laughs> it's piling up like that. So, and you can try to work out together in a kind of strategy where you're saying, well, let's focus on that. Leave some other stuff beside. You don't have the, the employees for that. You don't have maybe the money or the time for that. Let's concentrate on these two, three things, which are the moments of truth or the, the, the biggest pain points or whatever it is. Try to really make them great. 
And then you're going to realize that this is capable for your employees if we then co-creatively optimize the, the system. And then you can stage. You cannot change from one day to another completely. This will never happen. And that, that's, I think that's, that's one of the important points. Sorry for Thank my long answers, but you see, I'm living for that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know, and we we are feeling the passion that you have yeah, for the absolutely. topic. Uh, I have the time, perhaps, for one of the last questions. You sure. mentioned that it's something. Uh, it's the question is you are saying if you want to improve customer experience, then it will be big quite quickly, and you already mentioned in your previous answer that you need to focus on some top priorities. Which sure. criteria do you use? to prioritizing or to help your customers prioritizing which pain points they need to focus on first? That's a good question. I think the uh, number one is, what is the biggest pain points for the employees? Because at the end, if you're not just talking about, let me say, an, an online store, and even there, you know, you have people working behind, real people working behind. But the thing is, you know, where are your employees struggling the most? Because this is something that I feel as a customer is the most, you know, you know, all the easy things, or let me say the solar love things, they're, they're fine, more or less, you know, then, then maybe the product is the issue or the price is the issue, that's fine, or the availability is the issue. But um, first thing is where we see where, where the where your employees of any organization are struggling most. And typically on these points is where the customers are struggling most. It's the same point normally, it's identically, I've seen it thousands of them, and it's normally it's almost the same point. The issue is that I think a lot of things changed during the last 10 or 15 years, even on the employee side. Because you know, uh, if you're going, uh, let me say, home, let me say, after you work, or you're, you're enjoying your weekend, you're using Netflix, Amazon, you're using any kitchen aids, which with a lot of software inside, and they all try to understand you, you employee in that moment as a customer and would like to make your life easier. And then it's Monday morning, and then you're going to your company, and nobody cares at all. So in a way, you know, all that is gone. You know, you know, all that, that, that the systems are focused on you is gone. So you're starting fresh. So, and then you have, then you, you, there are some points where you have your challenge. You know, a lot of tasks coming together, maybe to one department. A lot of um, customers are coming on on, a, on on peak level stuff like that. So we are looking really are there any peaks peaks in amount of people there, amount of complaints, in, in uh, amount of products or services which have to be done on, the, on a certain time. So where are, let me say, these points which are the most, uh, how, to, how to explain that? Maybe the, 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 the most, really the moments of truth in a way, where, where I as a customer say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with the, yeah, it's right, maybe with the biggest impact in, in, in the decision on, should I go on with that company or should I change to a different one? Because some of the products, you know, okay, you can buy here or there. You know, it's like coffee, you know, you can buy here and there with computers, you can buy them cars, you know, it's not an issue anymore. So clothing, stuff like that. Um, so I think you, you have to find these moments of truth. And they are different in a lot of companies. You know, maybe it's a, if you're talking about the financing business, for instance, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, the, the part of how does the contract look like at the end. It's, it's, it's really the understanding of the, 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 the situation of, say, of the client is why does he need the money? You know, how can he ever come at it? Giving him the feeling that he's at the right spot. All the rest, you, you can do afterwards, you know. So you have to really define what are the moments of truth. You know, is it really, let me say, that you need a lot of explanation upwards because maybe you're a pro, you know, if you're buying an e-bike, for instance, so many professionals are buying an e-bike. So it's maybe availability is for them. Having the product immediately is the decision maker, not about having explanations about, you know, it's carbon and stuff like that. They already know maybe. 
So maybe you have to focus on it will be available or it will be made available for you in the next two days, whatever it is. So you, you really have to understand, and this is really depending on, on, on every organization or country, uh, company, what are the, the moments of truth at the customer journey which will be differentiating you from your competitors? And normally these are always the challenging points. It's, it's really, that, that's the way it is because it is, and, and you see it so often that companies, let me say, uh, in, in, in reacting on that with, with doing something on pricing side or having any point of sales material or fancy advertisement or stuff like that. Um, so the, the prioritization is what is in a way um, the biggest thing for your brand, the biggest thing for your purpose, where, where, where are your biggest differentiators on the customer journey side or on the value chain side? Which are the moments of truth? And where are the, the biggest problem points for your employees? And normally these are the same problem points than for your customers. So we are trying to start with that. It's different with every company. If you're in the travel industry, for instance, and you, you're having booking where you say, I'm booking my holidays six weeks or six months in advance, you know, these moments of truth are different than if you're going to any retail store and buying something, or if you're going to your next healthcare or in any other industry. So you really have to define that. And this is a lot of to do with, with your brand, with your purpose, and uh, the state uh, of your employees and the availability of your working force, which is uh, a challenge, especially after the pandemic, at least in Central Europe. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mario. I think it was really a, a great answer. We are going to the last part of, of this yeah. podcast, the last three questions. The first one is, is there a book that you would like to suggest to the audience that help you, for example, during your career? Is there a good book? There are a couple of good books. <laughs> I think it's the it's Eric Rice, The Lean Startup. This is, this is really something um, I learned a lot. Because um, maybe that's also a different thing uh, if you're talking about uh, the difference between people from the state or other countries in Europe. Um, if you would like to start your own company um, and you're coming from large organizations, the first thing you're thinking about is business plans and stuff like that. You know, the only thing you can uh, look into the future are maybe your costs in a way, you know, but if you're a startup with a special service that we are like, like we are delivering, it's really hard to pro predict, you know, you know, what your revenue will be. But um, the book of Eric the Lean Startup, is of thinking about what will be your minimal viable product, you know, seeing it from a different point of view. And then I have to, for sure, have to say, uh, if you think about uh, doing service design on your own, it's, uh, this is service design thinking and this is service design doing. I, uh, at least in book part two, I, I gave you a small portion from my knowledge to part two. It's from Max Dicton. Um, really helpful. A lot of doing stuff you know you can really see tools and and a lot of practical cases where you can learn from how you do um so i think these two trying to think about let me say coming up with a new product or with you, your own company is one thing and uh, working on service and experience design i would say this is design thinking and this is design doing uh, really good books you can really work with thank you very much and okay. if somebody would like to contact you what's the best way Anyway, so um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can write me an email. It's mario.sapp at gastspiel.at or you just visit our website at gastspiel.at and uh, you will find all the contacts that you need. Just Google myself. You will even find my cell phone number there. So it's just give me a ring. I'm open. <laughs> Any, Thank you very much, Mario. And also, if you want to contact Mario, you can use also the European Customer Experience Organization sure. platform. Mario is also there and uh, is happy to answer to your questions. 
The real last question is the Mario's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would like to leave to the audience. Ooh, golden nugget. <laughs> it's like the silver bullet. I think, I think it's, an, um, it's a simple thing. For me, it's um, people have to understand or organizations have to understand that, that people, and if you're talking about customers, we're talking about people. You know, if you talk market, markets, you're talking about people. I think people are always looking for companies who are just keeping their promises. And this is seldomly enough. And, and what does it mean? In a way, I think people are not looking for wow moments, you know, for, for delightments or whatever. They are, they are looking for durability. They are looking for companies which will be there on the long run, you know. They're just keeping their promises. And the good thing is that as a company, you can raise the bar how high you would like to raise it. You know, if the, the, what you're going to promise is up to you. But the good thing is, or the important thing is, you have to keep your promises. So what I say is people are looking for companies who are just keeping their promises. And it's more than enough. Forget about delightment and wow effects and everything. Nobody can do it on the long run, even while Disney is, uh, is really tackling some of the issues by long. And, you know, they founded it. But, uh, and not every company is Disney World. So uh, I think just keep your promises. And that's, that's the best thing. Set the right promises and just keep them. On Thank the you very run. much, Mario. You're welcome. I am not commenting Mario's golden nugget because it was your own golden nugget. The last thing that I want to say is thank you very much for your time, Mario. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you very much also to the European Customer Experience Organization to making this, this possible, interviewing ambassadors from, the, from this outstanding organization. And also to the audience, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. It was really a good one. We really feel the passion of Mario about <laughs> customer experience and design. And therefore, thank you very much. Have a nice okay. day. Have a nice evening. Grazie mille. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Grazie mille. Ci vediamo. Ciao. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.